again, everyone. It's nice to have some feedback. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we are going to be continuing our series from Colossians today. So let's go to Colossians chapter 3 and begin at verse 1. Which says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to you, or earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on a new self, which has been renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and Christ is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one of the grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues put on love that binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, we are called to peace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you have been teaching your people through scripture for millennia. We pray that we continue to be excited and continue to learn more and more about you and your love for us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So, this sermon is called Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek is a children's game. I presume children still play Hide and Seek. I don't really know that well, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, hide and seek was very popular in the Shoal household. We had quite a nice house where there were lots of places to hide. Uh, I remember one time, at, actually at my sister's birthday party, uh, there were like 30 kids invited, and we all played hide and seek, and everyone vanished, and then we thought everyone had come back. And it wasn't until like 45 minutes later when we were all eating cake and ice cream, we uh, realized that one of these kids had been missing and declared that he was the ultimate winner of hide and seek. <laughs> I, I still don't know where he hid exactly. 
Uh, I, I will say I was not particularly good at hide-and-seek myself. We had this couch that my grandmother gave us, uh, and it was a big couch, and it had lots of cushions on it. And so my six-year-old brain thought that if you lied on the couch and put the cushions on, on top of yourself, that they, they wouldn't find you. Uh, <laughs> but it was still very obvious that there is a human hiding underneath that. <laughs> I have found, I will say, as, as bad as I felt about my own ineptitude at hide-and-seek, I have found some images of some of the worst hide-and-seek players. Let's see if, uh, see if this works. There we go. That's, uh, <laughs> that guy needs to try a bit harder. What about the next one? Can you <laughs> see the child here? This next one's my favorite, though. This is... <laughs> So hide and seek. So to begin this sermon, I'm going to start with the first ever game of hide and seek. And I think that is found in Genesis 3, right at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, for those of you who are new to this, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 2, talks about God creating humanity, him creating creation itself. It talks about the relationships between creation and God and humanity and how there is a shalom, how there's a peace between those things, and, and God calls it very good. Uh, but sadly, it doesn't take very long for humanity to start getting things a little bit wrong. And they do the thing that God told them not to do, really the one thing God told them not to do. And once they realize that they have done something wrong, and they realize that God's around, this is their response. Next uh, piece of scripture, please. So the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Isn't that interesting? A people's first response <laughs> when they get something wrong is to hide. The first response of those people that have let God down is to hide. So we're going to fast forward <laughs> quite a few years to our reading today. And Colossians 3 verse 3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Things have changed. Now there's two things going on here. And if you're a bit of a word loser like me, you get very excited by these things. And one of the things that's happening is... Paul is using this word hidden in a number of different ways. One of the ways he's using it is a play on what people would say at the time for when folks died. See, 2,000 years ago, when someone had died, we would say that they were hidden in the earth. They were hidden in the ground. But of course, what Paul is saying, that yes, you died, but now your life is hidden with Christ in God see the difference that's happening there. The other thing that he's talking about is that as we've noticed over the last few weeks, one of the arguments happening with the Colossians and some of the newer believers at the time is 
this thing called Gnosticism, and it's boring, I don't want to talk about it, but it's basically this group that says, we have some knowledge and you can't have it. We have a hidden understanding and we're not going to share it with you. And you'll notice that actually groups still do this today. Cults still do this today. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses will say, we can share a little bit, but there's still some things that we're not going to share. Uh, Mormons will say, yeah, we can share some things, but there's some parts we're not going to share. Uh, Scientologists will say, we can share some things, but there's certain things that we need to keep hidden from you. Uh, and an earnest Christian will never do that. We will do all that we can to try and share everything we know of who God is. And, and some people kind of get that wrong as well. <laughs> you get points for trying. And, and there are lovely Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientologists out there, uh, but they're still cults and they're still using hidden language. And so Paul is saying, no, nothing is hidden anymore. Nothing is hidden anymore. Our lives are hidden in Christ with God. And that changes things. Now, it, it's possible <laughs> that some of you are sitting there after a lot of weeks of some quite heady and heavy theology and, and wondering when we're going to kind of get down to brass tacks. Like, okay, so we've talked about some really difficult, challenging, weird theologies that were especially relevant 2,000 years ago, but when are we kind of going to get down to what this means for us? And what's wonderful is it kind of seems like Paul, who's the author of Colossians, is bored of this as well. <laughs> so at the end of Colossians 3, 4, the whole book kind of takes this handbrake turn. It turns on a dime. It kind of screeches to a halt. It goes from this lofty, heavy theology. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll just talk about this because we have talked about this the last few weeks. We've heard these terms like, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You know, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. We hear elsewhere that God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like, these are wonderful, encouraging things, but it's a lot, right? <laughs> this stuff sits heavy. And at this point, Paul kind of says, you know what? I've had enough too. How do we make this practical? How do you make this simple? Ultimately, what does this mean for us? And one of the things that Paul is trying to do is reveal things and explain as much as possible in the face of these groups that are trying to keep things hidden. But he's also going to keep things real simple. And one of the things I think changes a lot, beginning in chapter 3, verse 5, is Paul says, we're going to keep this simple. And this life with Jesus, <laughs> you know what it means? It means that you need to stop doing the things that mean people are going to hide from you. This is a problem 2,000 years ago, and it's a problem now. And probably we as individuals have relationships where that's the case, where we as a church have erred and need to do better where Christians worldwide really seem to be doing some things that mean people are more likely to run away from the church than run towards it. 
And Paul is saying here, those things that drive people away, those things that make people want to hide, we're done with those now. So he talks about, like, don't be angry and don't be sexually immoral and don't be uh, jealous of things. Uh, I, just just because I love this stuff, just to get into it. Uh, he talks about uh, pleonexia. That's one of the rule words that he uses there. Uh, this word literally just means to have more. <laughs> Someone who always wants more. Someone who's never satisfied. Now, the Greeks use this image of a, a bowl with a hole in the bottom of it. So no matter how much you pour in, it's always going to pour out. It's never going to flow over. It's never going to fill up. And so, of course, we want to hide from those people because we're worried about what they might want of ours. He warns about sexual immorality and, and, and look around the world right now. Of course, people are terrified. And of course, there's so many people and so many women that have had to hide for so long because of the cruelties that have been visited upon them. And Paul's saying, don't do those things that mean people want to hide. Uh, he uses two words for kind of anger and wrath, and, and the difference between the two is the one used for anger is, is a sudden flared-up temper <laughs> that comes kind of out of nowhere. And who doesn't want to hide from those people? And the second one is a more is the one that we translate as wrath. It's more a kind of slow burning anger. But again, it's this anger that's never going to be fulfilled, never going to be sated. It's going to keep on going. But what's more, it's an anger that we have to feed too. <laughs> and and I'll be honest, I I do this, <laughs> and and maybe you do it too. When we, when we click on a link that we know is going to make us feel angry, it's going to make us feel righteous, but it's going to make us feel angry too. That's, that's feeding that wrath. And when we uh, go on the Facebook page of someone who we know we disagree with, and we know we're only going on it to be angry with them. <laughs> but of course, those things don't draw people to us. They drive them away. They mean that people want to hide from us. The problem is that, again, this goes from this heady theology to so very simple, and weirdly, I think it's a lot harder. Because <laughs> it changes how I live every single day, <laughs> and that's hard. This is Paul's cry. Do those things that make people feel safe. Do those things that mean people don't need to hide from you. Uh, Colossians 3.15, which I think I have on a slide. Explains how we're going to do this. And we're going to do this by letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Uh, the word for rule there is umpire, like literally the person that makes the decisions in a match. Let that be <laughs> the umpire in your heart, the peace 
of Christ. Not, not remember, not the power of Christ and not the strength of Christ and not all those other things. It is the peace of Christ that should rule, should be the umpire, should be the guide in our hearts. And again, if you want to see what that looks like, look to Jesus. And that's my advice at all times, in all places. Look to Jesus. But Jesus does this all the time. And Jesus is this fantastic, perfect example of someone that people don't need to hide around. We see this in his ministry all the time. Folks that have hidden for so long, have been marginalized for so long, have been pushed aside and shoved aside for so long, suddenly feel safe in him. They no longer need to hide with him. And regardless of what people might say when a sinful woman will anoint his feet and people say, if you knew what she had done, you wouldn't let her do that. And, and Jesus' response is like, it's because I know what she's done. This woman doesn't need to hide. Look for all the times in Scripture that those who wouldn't have been welcome are welcomed by Jesus. That's what the peace of Christ looks like. I, <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. Well, maybe my favorite example of, of spaces that Jesus makes safe is at his own arrest when Peter, doing what he thinks is right, draws his sword and chops off the ear of the people that are coming to arrest Jesus, which makes sense in his head, I guess. And, and of course, what Jesus does is heals the man's ear, first of all, and, and then says, don't, don't draw a sword. Don't pick up a sword ever. That's not how we do things. <laughs> You're holding a sword, people are going to hide. That's not how we do things. Jesus creates a safe space <laughs> for someone arresting him. Those with no safe space can be safe in Jesus, and those who have always needed to hide never need to hide from Jesus. And, and let's see like just how much things have changed from Genesis 3 to what Jesus has done. People thought because they'd done something wrong, they had to run away from God. They had to hide from God. And in Jesus, we realize that because we've done something wrong, we get to run towards him. And he's there to embrace us. But the climax of, of hide and seek is when the person is, is found. That's, that's the aim. That's what we're going for. But, but the climax of relationship with people is, is when they never need to hide around us. When we can be completely vulnerable and open with one another because we trust one another. And again, Paul makes it kind of simple what this looks like. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 14. I may have on a slide. I don't have on a slide. All right, I'll read it out then. <laughs> says this, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
clothed yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let's, let's read that again. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, this is actually the, the scripture that was read out at Chad and Brittany's wedding, so it's lovely to be talking about it again today. And again, those things kind of feel <laughs> simple, and yet at the same time, so hard to do, so hard to follow, so hard to do every day. Uh, but what I want to look at, where I want to kind of land and finish, is uh, look at those words and those passages in light of the one that came before it, which is 3.11, which I do have a slide for. Which says this. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. And I want to say that <laughs> there have been some really bad interpretations of this in the past, and it's something that uh, Christians as a whole, I think, need to repent of. And I kind of want to think, uh, in light of uh, Black History Month, which we are currently celebrating, which is a month where we take time to uh, listen to black stories, and these can be stories of uh, beauty and uh, the wonders of the variety of culture experienced by black people throughout the generations. And it's also a time when we listen to uh, the wrongs that have been committed against the black community for altogether too long. And, and a bad faith reading of verse 311 says, well, you know, hey, there's no races now. There's, I'm, I'm completely colorblind. But I think this is a bad faith reading. Uh, much like when people will say Martin Luther King Jr.'s words saying, well, I just want to judge people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And I think this colorblindness, as we called it, uh, I want to be generous, and I want to say that people that felt that way were doing what they thought was right. But at the same time, I believe it was born of ignorance. And it was born of not being around people of color and not listening to their stories and not listening to how, how things are different. Colorblindness is, is weirdly apt, actually, because it means you're probably blind to the struggles and complexities <laughs> experienced by those with less privilege. And the point that Paul is trying to make in this passage isn't that now we're all the same. He's not saying we're all uniform. He's saying that we are unified despite these differences, and we're better for them as well. Wellspring is better because of the variety of people we have, different backgrounds and genders and sexualities. We are better for those differences, and we are unified despite those differences. And it's a celebration of how great Jesus is. <laughs> I, I really want to push this point because what Paul is saying here is a, is a hand grenade. It's going to blow up. People are going to struggle to know what to do with it. 
the difference between circumcision and, and circumcision circumcision and uncircumcision was so huge. I mean, for generations, for millennia, it had been that I'm God's chosen and you're not. And now Paul's coming along saying, you're all chosen, sorry, you're all God's people, deal with it. The difference between Greeks and barbarians and Scythians, again, this huge cultural divide. Uh, the Greeks were, of course, seen as the academic brilliant types who, and, and everyone wanted to speak their language, and the, the barbarians are literally called barbarians because that's how the Greeks thought they sounded, like they just said bar, 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 so we get barbarian from madness. And Scythians were considered even lower than the barbarians. <laughs> and so in this small ragtag church, you have all these people with millennia of differences being told, let's trust and let's listen. And I think one of the ways that people stop hiding is we listen <laughs> and we believe them. We ask them to tell us, what are those differences? Share them with me. How does being a barbarian, how does that change things for you? How does walking the world as a black woman, how does that change things for you? I want to know. I don't want you to hide. I know that Jesus embraces that, and I want to embrace it too. I'll end here. I'll end here. The, the incredible and wonderful thing about this Christianity that we see in first century Colossae that at its best has endured and at its worst has, has crumbled is this celebration of diversity and this unity despite difference. That is the church at its best. And, and one of the things I love about church is like we're in a room of people that we might not even have that much else in common. <laughs> But we love each other, and we spend time together, and we worship God together at our best, uh, and at my best, I, I want to be someone from whom you don't need to hide. Let's all go forward with that peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. Let's keep on seeking forever. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everything I have learned about you from people that aren't like me. I thank you for those that have been trusting and vulnerable enough to share those stories. I pray that we all have the peace of Christ being the umpire, the decider, the guide in our hearts. But most of all, at all times, we put on love. We ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen.